We have been in the book of Acts, and we're actually finishing up in Acts chapter 9. We'll probably do another couple of weeks before we get to the end of it. Um, And then we're going to start a new series uh, right at the end of August in the book of Nehemiah. But um, right now we're in the book of Acts, and we've seen Jesus leave. We've watched Pentecost come. We've watched uh, the disciples pay a price for serving God. We've watched the first martyr in the church. We've watched Ananias and Sapphira um, lose their lives because they didn't take God serious enough. We've watched a guy by the name of Saul uh, introduced to, to a guy by the name of Saul who uh, actually took part in Stephen's death, the first martyr. And we now come to Acts chapter 9, which really in the book of Acts is a pivotal point for the whole book. And we're going to talk about Saul. Um, For those of you who may not know this, Saul is going to become a Christian. And you're going to know him as Paul. And so if I use the word Paul this morning, it's kind of a just a, they're interchangeable. Right now, his actual name is Saul. His, his name has changed later. But when we start out in Acts chapter 9, his name is Saul. Now, let me give you a little bit of background. He's from a city of Tarsus. Tarsus is a, how would you say, it's a college town. It's a town where there's a lot of academics. There's a lot of, of, of people who study. There's a lot of brainiac kind of people. It's like nerd central, okay? I mean, there's just a lot of smart people there. And that's where, Paul was, uh, that's where Saul was from. Uh, Saul eventually, uh, he, he was a Roman citizen, and that becomes very, very important. In fact, most of the cities that Paul's going to go to are, are Roman colonies. Uh, but as a Roman citizen, what that meant was he was kind of the upper class. So think of it this way. A, a Roman citizen was kind of a VIP pass wherever you went. Uh, if you've traveled much in the world, um, what you will learn is that... Um, there's something incredibly valuable in a United States passport. Uh, many, many in the world envy it. Uh, and, 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 and the black market prices are actually pretty good for a, for a U.S. passport uh, because it, it has value. And, and, and Paul, in that, in that day, that was a Roman citizen because Rome determined what you could and couldn't do to those people. And the second you claimed that you were a Roman citizen, if you were a Roman citizen... Um, There are a couple of situations that Paul used it to his advantage because he had rights and privileges that no one else had. Uh, He was also a student of a guy by the name of Gamaliel. Gamaliel was a teacher. He was, in in the Jewish world, he was one of the great teachers. Uh, He was one of the great rabbis. And so what happened is a guy like Gamaliel really picked and chose who he got to work with him. And it was an incredible privilege for you to be a student of, of someone like Gamaliel. Because what that meant is, when, when you were chosen to be one of their students, what, what the rabbi was saying is, you can do what I do. Uh, many of you know we were gone last week, and one of the things that we love to do is blow glass. Um, we try to do it whenever we go on a, a trip and, and make really cool things. And when we got to South Dakota, one of the glass artists that we, we love is uh, Tony um, from Mind Blowed Studios there in Deadwood, and, and that's not a pitch, but if you go there, tell her you know us. Um, anyway, we've done it for four years, and so Tony this year, what was cool is Tony this year, um, one of the premier glass places in, in the country is, Corn, is Corning, uh, Corning Glassworks, and, and, and they're like the best of the best, uh, some of the best of the best in the country. And there was an artist there who does uh, glass uh, sculptures of animals, 
Um, and uh, he was going to be training at, uh, he was going to be teaching there. And he has a bid process where you submit your work, and then he decides who gets to come and work with him. And so actually this week and, and next week, she's out there working um, with him because she was one of the ones who was chosen to actually go out and, and learn from this guy. It was kind of the same way in the Bible time. If, you were, if, if a rabbi thought you had some serious skills, then they would invite you to come and be their, their disciple um, and learn under them. And if you were chosen, what it meant is the rabbi was saying, you can do what I do. You can be as good as me. Uh, and so Paul studied the feet of Gamaliel. So at that level, let me put it to you in, in, in language we can understand. At that level, Paul probably knew by memory most of the Old Testament, um, where he could quote most of the Old Testament from memory. As a Pharisee, not only would he have known that, but he would have also have learned all of the teachings of the other rabbis. So not only did you have this set of knowledge, but you also had this knowledge about Jewish, the Jewish world. And so, uh, now Gamaliel was more of a liberal, um, uh, more on the liberal side of, rather than a strict thing, but, but Paul was one of his students, okay? So that's what we have when we come to this thing. So this is Saul. He's of Tarsus. He's a student of Gamaliel. He's a Roman citizen. He's studying the whole Pharisee system. He's working his way up to be the Pharisee of Pharisees, so to speak. And he is making some serious progress. That's where we pick up the story in Acts chapter 9. So here's where it says, verse 1. Here's what it says in Acts chapter 9. And then Saul, still bringing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord. In other words, <laughs> being a good Pharisee, these people running around talking about Jesus as God, as Messiah, were blasphemers. So the way to get rid of blasphemers is to let's remove them. Let's get them out of the way. So it says, Saul, breathing threats and murders against the disciples of the Lord. In other words, he's like, you know what? We need to eradicate these people. We've got to get rid of them. And notice what he says. He went to the high priest and asked letters from him to the synagogues of Damascus. So, that, so in other words, what he does is he goes to the high priest. He says, look, <clears throat> you know, when we killed Stephen, they all took off everywhere. And now they're out in their little cities running around. And they're starting more churches, and they're getting more people to follow them. I want to go root them out. I'm going to go find the Jews that have scattered from here. I want to bring them back here. I want them tried. I want them executed. But I need you to give me a letter so that when I go into these places and people say, wait a minute, you can't haul them out of our city, you, we're, we're good. We can do that. And so he, so now, by the way, Damascus is about six days' journey from Jerusalem. So this isn't a guy who's like, you know what, um, look, I, 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 want, I want to go take out the people in Odo. Okay? This is a guy who's saying, no, 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 no. I, I want to go to Maine and Alaska and Florida and Southern California. I want to get them all. So you just give me a blanket letter so I can go anywhere I want to go, and anytime I find them, I can haul them back here. And so that's what happened. And he said, if he found any who were of the way, whether men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. Okay, now, I want you to think about this, because we, we, don't, we don't put this in our, in our head. This is what this guy was doing. And some of the people that he was going to bring bound back, you need to think about this, he would later go to their children and help start a church when he gets saved. You want to talk about a guy who had some serious guilt stuff behind, but he was able to put it behind him and go on and serve God in spite of his past. But this is past, he's brown to Jerusalem. 
And as he journeyed, he came near Damascus. Suddenly a light shone from him around, around him from heaven. And he fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Now, notice what it says. The light shone from him. This is, a, this, this is Jesus, actually. We're going to learn that, that, that this is Jesus um, that, that he sees here. Uh, saying, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Um, rabbit trail, real quick, and I'll come back. Was he persecuting Jesus? No. He was persecuting Jesus' people. Why does Jesus say, you're persecuting me? This is a very important point. Exactly right. We are placed in Christ. Christ is placed in us. It is a link. You persecute God's people, you're persecuting God. So God says, look, you're going after my people. No, you're going after me. Why are you doing that? Now, I want to jump ahead in Acts 26, and I want to read Paul's version of this. Notice what it says in Acts 26. Here's what he says. Um, Indeed, I myself thought I must do many things contrary to the name of Jesus Nazareth. This I did also in Jerusalem. Many of the saints I shut up in prison having received authority from the chief priests. And when they were put to death, I cast my vote against them. I punished them often in every synagogue, compelled them to blaspheme, and being exceedingly enraged against them, I persecuted them even to foreign cities. That's Paul's testimony. That Paul said, look, this is what I was a part of before I came to Christ. Um, going back, uh, Acts chapter 9, uh, here's what it goes on to say. Uh, I think I'm... Uh, and, uh, oh, no, okay, get rid of that one. I'm ahead of myself already. So, uh, back to Acts 9, 1. All right, I'm keeping you on your toes today, aren't I, Peyton? Uh, so, anyway, Acts chapter 9. Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? He said, look, why are you doing it? Now, now you've got to think about this for a minute. If you are Saul, and you are working your way up, and all of a sudden now you hear a voice from heaven and a great light. And you think, up until this point, you are doing God's business. How scared are you to find out you may be on the wrong side? Notice what happens in the rest of the story. Um, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Uh, verse uh, 5, guys, in Acts 9. Uh, it says, uh, not next one. There went there. There you go. And he said, Who are you, Lord? Now, you should know, Bible commentators debate on this. One group of Bible commentators said this is just a, 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 a respect thing. You call it, you know, just like saying Mr. or Mrs. or ma'am or whatever else. It's a respect thing. Others, and I believe, kind of go more this way. He realized who he was. And this is, a, okay, I'm going to change some things here pretty quick. Notice what it says. Then the Lord said, what? Because these are three words that rocked his world upside down. I am Jesus. Now, wait a minute. Jesus was dead, crucified. A bunch of people say they were seeing him. That was blasphemy. We put him to death for that. And now he is standing, listening, I believe seeing Jesus. By the way, quick rabbit trail. Do you know the last person to see Jesus? Oh? Huh? No? Who said Stephen? Yeah, Stephen. 
Remember, Paul is standing there at the stoning of Stephen, and Stephen says, I see Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Who's the next person in Acts to see Jesus? Paul, Saul. And he hears, I am Jesus. And if you don't think this was a wide open, what in the world, I have been on the wrong side the whole time kind of moment. I mean, again, everything this guy had worked for was now all of a sudden thrown out the window. The whole Pharisee thing, the whole Gamaliel thing, the whole everything. And he says, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. It's hard for you to kick against the goats. The goats were pointy sticks. Um, we, we call them what, uh, cattle prods. Think of a cattle prod. You know, you prod the cattle thing um, with that electronic. I mean, some of you do it. You know, I know. It's like, oh, you know, don't hurt the animals. Um, great. You know, don't hurt the vegetables either. Um, but anyway, um, <laughs> that was good, by the way. I, uh, anyway. Uh, Lord, notice, so he trembling and astonished said, Lord, what do you want me to do? He came to a realization that everything he had done to his life at his life at that point was not about God. It was about him. Now he changes his tune. It's not about what I want to do. It's about what God wants me to do. He says, Lord, what do you want me to do? And the man, and the Lord said unto him, Arise, go into this city, and you'll be told what you must do. He doesn't even get told to do. All he says is, go to that city, and you'll find out the next step over there. And notice what he said. And the man's journeying with him stood speechless, hearing a voice but seeing no one. Then Saul arose from the ground, and when his eyes were opened, he saw no one. And they led him by the hand. And brought him in Damascus. And he was three days without sight. And he neither ate nor drank. Now we're going to pick the story up next week from this point. But I want to stop here today. Because I want this to sink in for us. Here's a guy who now is going to sit for three days. Thinking about his life. Thinking about what he has done. Thinking about wrestling internally with this issue of. I've been fighting against God. The God who I gave my life for as a Pharisee, all of a sudden now, I've been on the wrong side. It was me who helped put him to death. It was me who was part of it. I've killed the people that, that, that were standing up for him. I, and he wrestles with this for three days in, in blindness and at the bottom of bottoms in his life. And this is a gut-wrenching for him. We're going to talk next week about how he gets saved and what God does. And you know the story of how God uses him. Um, and we're going to talk about the different people. I, I want to take, stop here because I want a couple of takeaways from this for us so that we, we learn some things to help us this week as, uh, as, as we go through it. So here's the first one. The first one is this. <clears throat> God takes his people seriously. We talked about this in Sunday school this morning. The church is not a building. The church is the assembly. It's the people. It's the, the things. That, God takes us seriously. You need to be very careful about talking about other Christians. I don't know if you ever thought about it for a minute, but when you are critical of other Christians, if Christ is in them and they are in Christ, who are you being critical of? See, you see in this passage a unity in the body of Christ. 
And that's why here, one of the things that we put a big emphasis on is, is unity. We think that's important. It doesn't mean everybody has to be, a, it doesn't mean everybody has to do everything the same. Unity is not uniformity. Unity is the idea that we're on the same page about what's important. There are things here that are important. There are things that aren't important. What color we paint that? On my radar, scale of 1 to 10, don't even make the scale. Whether or not somebody's putting their faith and trust in Christ alone, that's a 10. In a negotiation there, don't. You see, you have to be careful about saying things about other Christians. Because if they're genuinely a Christian, you're, you're, you're talking against God. And by the way, for those of you who have been wronged by Christians, have you ever thought about this? If, if they are fighting God, not me. So why don't I let God take care of it? See, we, we make a mess of stuff because we get our fingers in it and we go, well, they said this against me and I got to go say this against them and I got to go, and you know, and they're doing this and they're Back up the train for a second. Hey, just stop and say, you know what, Lord? Um, you need to take care of that. The uh, Bible says this way, vengeance is mine. I'll, I'll deal with it. But when you take it in, by the way, if you take it into your own hands, what are you doing? That's a lack of trust where you're saying, God, you can't deal with this. You can't do it. I can't trust you with this. So, God, i got to go make it right. Time out. Let God deal with it. And you just be careful what you say. I always tell people, look, you cannot determine what people do or what people say about you or do to you. All you can do is figure out how you're going to respond. And you always want to respond in a way that honors God. And that is so important for us to understand. God takes his people seriously, and we need to as well. Second idea is this. <clears throat> Often God has to get you out of your comfort zone to get your attention. Now, maybe you're one of those people that when God speaks, you just go, yes. And, and Lord, bless you. I, I so long want to be like you. But I kind of have this stubborn streak. And what I've found is for God to get my attention, he's got to get me out of my comfort zone. You see... God didn't deal with Saul when he was in Jerusalem doing the deal. God dealt with Saul when he got outside of Jerusalem, when he was on a road, when he was outside of his normal environment, when he was away from all the religious people, and God went, okay, now we're going we're gonna to get your attention, Saul. And here God does it in this supernatural, extraordinary way. Here's the thing you've got to realize. What's going on in your life right now might be God's way of trying to get your attention. And, and sometimes we don't see that. We look at it as, God, why are you doing this to me? Why are you doing this? Why is this happening? It might be because God just wants you to learn some things. What is it God wants you to learn? It doesn't have to be a bad thing. It's not like you're doing something bad. It's just that I've noticed in my own life, you know, one of the things that's great for me about vacation is I get to pull away. And I get to just kind of re, reorient my life and, and decompress and focus on some other things. It was funny because I noticed on two, we got back Sunday night and Tuesday, we were sitting here in the morning, and, and the guys were saying, well, you know, I was asking about, you know, if, I had this little sheet, and I make a sheet of everything we got to get done, and, and, and anyway, so I was asking the guys, okay, do you think that we, we, we need to do this, and da, 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 da. And, they, and they said, well, what do you think? And I'm like, look, I've been on vacation for a week. I don't care what we do. If we don't want to do it, that's just fine with me, because I'm still in vacation mode. To which a couple of guys said, I think we ought to send him on vacation next week, too. Uh, 
you know, because, but I mean, that, it was a thing where it was like, you know what, it, it just, and, and, and it was a way for God to get my attention and in a place where I'm more open to it. And, and you know, it wasn't anything earth shattering that happened last week, but it was just a way to listen to the heart, listen to God in my own life. And, and I hope you all have something like that where, where God, and when, if that, maybe what you're going through right now is God's way of saying, hey, look, I want to get your attention. I want you to listen to me here. God often works like that for us. And something happens, and, and we're sitting there fighting it, and, and instead of sitting back and saying, okay, Lord, what do you want from me? What, how do you want me to respond, Lord? What do you want me to do? And, and the last thing is this. You, you see a lot of things about Christianity in this passage. You know, you see, you see the idea that Christianity involves obedience. You know, what's Saul's reaction? Lord, what do you want from me? And, and that's great. You know what? God doesn't tell him. God just says, okay, Saul, here's the next step. Go to that city. And you're going to see next week when he gets to the city, God says, okay, now here's what I want you to do next. Here's what I want you to do next. Here's what I want you to do next. That's, that's the Christian journey. It's a whole series of steps. You, you watch people this morning. They took a step in a Christian journey. It, it's one of many steps in a Christian. It wasn't, it's not their, it's just like, a, it's just like getting married when, you know, when I got married, you know, I, I didn't understand, you know, I'm like, you know, oh, live off of love. Yeah, right. You know, you know, dear Visa, I love you. Um, it doesn't work like that. You know, it, it, it comes over time and over time in a process and, and, and you take steps and you learn more about each other. And you, I mean, I learned something last week about my wife and her family. I didn't know. You know, we've been married, I get in trouble here, like 33 years. Yes, all right. Uh, boy, you know, you'd sweat. I pay for that during the week, believe me. Um, like, I really, you know, you know. But anyway, uh, we need to understand this, okay? It's a, it's, it's a series of steps. And, and some of you, what you're wanting right now is you're wanting God to lay it all out for you. God doesn't do that. God takes you to the next step, whatever that next step is. And for some of you, it may be trusting Christ. You've never trusted Christ. That's what you need to do. For some of you, it, it might be baptism. For some of you, it might be reconciling a relationship with somebody. For some of you, it might be your attitude at work. For some of you, it, it might be the way that you deal with your, your anger. For, there's all kinds of issues out there that are next steps for us. And we're not a church who believes that you can ultimately arrive Okay, we, we have a place for people like that. It's called the door. Okay, because we don't have it all together. We're all a work in progress, and we're all working on it together. And we're all trying to be more like Christ as we go on this journey and take the next step. And for Paul, it was just simply, or Saul, he just simply said, and here's what I love. They, God says, I want you to go um, into Damascus, and it, they have to lead him by the hand and bring him. He couldn't even make it on his own because, you see, that's where God has to bring you. God has to bring you to the point you're totally dependent upon him. And in this situation, Paul could not even walk to Damascus on his own. He needed people to help him, which is the last part of this thing. There are a lot of people that are involved in this process of Saul becoming a Christian. Next week, you're going to learn about Judas, and you're going to learn about Ananias. And you're going to see how God used them. Because here's the thing. It's, we're all, it's all a process, and we're all in it together. You know, red-green. You know, I love, I love red-green statement. You know, hang in there because we're all in this together. Um, 
you know, he talks to men. Um, but, um, you know, that is the idea. We're all in it together. And here's the thing. Some of you have not considered the idea that you may be part of somebody else's process of coming to Christ. See, everybody up here, there was somebody, whether it's parents or whether it was a, a mentor or whatever, there was somebody involved in that process of them coming to Christ, just like for me. You know, there was a Roger Bice um, who was involved in that process. And, 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 and that's what God has called us to do, is to help one another, encourage one another, build one another up, and to be able to example other people. So, you know, that's what we've got to grasp. So I end with this. Saul helps us to understand. Christianity is about obedience, people, and God's plan. God will do whatever he needs to do to get our attention because he loves us. But we have to choose to respond properly. God wants to use each of us as we follow him in obedience. If you're here today and you have never, maybe you're at that point where God's brought something to your life to get your attention. Could it be that the reason God's getting your attention is because he wants a relationship with you? And that's what he's actually at work doing? For some of you, could it be that what you're going through right now is because God wants to use you in a way that maybe you don't want to be used. But God's got a much bigger and a much better plan. You see that in the life of Paul. We talked about this in Sunday school. Paul wrote these letters and sent them to churches in hopes that they would get them. Today, those letters wrote in over 1,200 languages. He had no idea. I like, I, like, I like what Andy Stanley said this morning. He said, you want to sum up the whole thing? If you could have met Paul at the end of his life, in all of the glory of Rome, in all the greatness of Rome, and said, Paul, I want you to know, thousands of years from now, people are going to name their children Paul and Peter. They will name their dogs. Caesar and Nero. You would have stepped back and he would have said, no way. You see, God's got a plan. And God's going to work in great ways through this guy. And he'll do the same thing with you. You just got to be obedient and take the next step and let him use you. And you'll be amazed. Let's pray. Lord, it's hard sometimes because we all want to go our own way. We all want to do our own thing. But Lord, you have so much more for each of us. Lord, there's a whole world that needs Christ. Lord, everyone in here is going to rub shoulders this week with people who are going through tough times, who are depressed and discouraged and overwhelmed and want to quit, and, and Lord, are trying to handle life in ways that uh, are just not healthy. And Lord, we have an answer. We have you. And, Lord, help us to be able to share that with people around us and use us, Lord, that people might be able to see Christ in us, that they might be able to see a different way to live, and that they might be able to see that, that Lord, even in difficult times, there is peace and comfort and encouragement and help and hope. So use us, and when it's all said and done, Lord, we will give you the honor and the glory and the praise. These things we ask in your name. Amen.